From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 399. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, DoorDash, and Memberful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike Hurley. Welcome back to the Upgrade program. I'm very happy to be here, and I come with me bearing a hashtag Mm -hmm. Snow Talk question that comes from Peter, who says, Jason... You did your cord cutting when you went through that, uh, and you you know you cut all the cords. Did you mm. add a cord, an Ethernet cable, to your Apple TV box, okay. or are you just using your home Wi-Fi? I just want to clarify when people talk about cord cutting, it's a metaphor because you don't actually cut the cord. Because, yeah, I'm sure like, you do. Uh, there's still a there's still a well. I did cut the cable mm-hmm. TV cable, but there is now a fiber optic cable running right. into my house. It's not like I actually cut the cord. It's me- it's a metaphor. And my Apple TV boxes have been wired with Ethernet um, for a long time now because it's more reliable. And if I've got any device that can be wired with Ethernet, I wire it with Ethernet because it's more reliable than Wi-Fi and faster. And so, yes, my Apple TV has already had Ethernet. I didn't add it. It already had it. And uh, that is for reliability from the outside and also for speed on the inside because I do have a Plex server. So it is going to be, you know, the Plex stuff can come down faster than stuff from the Internet. So, yeah, that's why. I've never even thought about plugging an Apple TV into Ethernet. Like it's just, I, I, honestly, I yeah. forgot that it even had the port. Oh yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. That it does. I mean, it's it's it is. I mean, that that's the truth. Is that wired is going to be more reliable than Wi-Fi. Even if you have reliable Wi-Fi, it's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit faster, and it's going to be, you know, weird things happen with Wi-Fi. Weird things can happen with Ethernet too, but it's much yeah. less common. And and again, I've got a whole Ethernet like connectivity thing. That, like there's so much Ethernet. In my uh, in where the Apple TV is, that why would I not plug it in? If you would like to send in a question for us to open an episode of Upgrade with, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snell Talk or use question mark Snell Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. Saddle up, Jason Snell, because we're going to okay. mosey on down for the rumor roundup, and I got Yeehaw. I got a big one for you today, my friend. We have got like a lot of categories we're going to get through Ooh. because it's been a busy couple of weeks. There's been a lot going on. I'm going to start with a Mac Mini. 9to5Mac is reporting that Apple is working on an update to the Mac Mini, which will feature options for an M2 and M2 Pro chip. The M2 will still feature 8 CPU cores like the M1, but it will be bumped up to 10 GPU cores. The M2 Pro will have a 12-core CPU, and I'm assuming a 10-core GPU. They didn't specify that in the article. Reading from 9to5Mac, according to 9to5Mac sources, Apple had plans to introduce high-end versions of the current Mac Mini with the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips, but they were probably scrapped to make way for the Mac Studio. And Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that this uh, Mac Mini is set for 2023, and it will feature the same design that we have currently, which I guess kind of makes sense given the way the Mac Studio looks. Yeah, yeah, I, I think what's... Interesting here is that we're t- starting to talk about what the M2 generation is going to look like. Yep, got more of that coming up. Yeah, and and there is a question of like, well, are they are they going to do a higher end Mac Mini since they have the Mac Studio? But a lot of people have written about Dan Morin did it in Six Colors last week. Like, there's a hole in the Mac desktop space between an M1 in a bunch of computers and the M1 Max in the studio, and that's the base. And it's in that kind of like pro level. Why mm-hmm. isn't there a, a pro M whatever pro chip desktop? And the Mac Mini is a logical place for it. I, I think it might be in the iMac too, but like the Mac Mini is a logical place for it. And it sounds like this is just going to be a next generation. Maybe they set it aside 
um, as Ming-Chi Kuo su- suggests. Maybe they set it aside for the Mac Studio and thought, let's get this thing out the door this year. Probably these computers are not going to be updated every year, right? So maybe it's like, okay, well, we're going to do the studio this year. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they will. Well, I mean, saying that the M1 Mac Mini, as Ming-Chi Kuo is saying, is set for 2023, that would be like way over like an 18-month span at least, right. nearly two years since the right. Mac Mini received so you got, any kind of update. You got the M1 Mac Mini, and then in 23, they come back in early 23, let's say, yeah. with the M2 with an option for an M2 Pro. And then you and and that I think that's what Apple wants to do, right? I think we've seen, um, we've seen generation one of Apple Silicon now, uh-huh. more or less, and you know it is their first attempt, and they've got a lot to do. So I think it's not surprising that maybe um, we're going to see a more full, well-rounded set of products when they get to M2 because yeah the M2 Pro is a really great example of like there's just no desktops with M2 Pro why is that and i think it's because they revised a bunch of their lower end desktops for the M1 and then put yeah. them aside because they had other stuff to do and they haven't gotten back to it yet i mean and it's also possible that apple just think that that's laptop territory like i i, I know that's maybe not what you're asking for you know what people might be asking for but maybe for them, they don't feel the need to cover every yeah. possible chip variant in a I, desktop machine. I don't know, I, right? I, I, d- I doubt it because Apple, the modern Apple, um, we talk a lot about Tim Cook's Apple being really good at like keeping old products around. Um, the other thing that I've noticed in the Apple Silicon era with, um, especially with modern Apple is modern Apple is really good at reusing parts. Mm. They make their own stuff mm. and then they use it everywhere. And so I think that um, we will eventually get to the point where there's M1 Pro stuff in desktops just like there are in laptops because why not? It's an opportunity to upsell a Mac Mini user. I think it probably will happen, but it's not surprising that it didn't happen this round because I think the laptops were the priority. Yeah. Talking about laptops, the MacBook Air now we're going to move on to. So 9to5Mac is also... 9to5Mac's got a lot of reports at the moment. They, they've they've mm-hmm. stumbled across something. They've got some new sources you know, we, we spoke about the fact that they, they were bang on with the Mac Studio and both that Mac Mini and this MacBook Air report they're seeing come from their sources. So uh, 9to5Mac is reporting that a new MacBook Air and 13-inch MacBook Pro will come later this year featuring the M2 chip. Um, we will not be getting the updated MacBook Air until the M2 is ready. Uh, right. They are also reporting that Apple is considering dropping the Pro from the 13-inch MacBook Pro, making it just the MacBook. Whether that will happen this time around or not, they're not sure, but that is something that Apple is apparently sure. considering, which I think makes Good. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would certainly make it a lot less weirder of a product. Correct. Yeah, definitely. And Mark Gurman, the sheriff of... Uh, yes, the room roundup indeed added to this saying that uh the new macbook air was originally expected to be a late 2021 product featuring a new design magsafe and the m2 chip but it's now expected in the second half of 2022 i guess expect i guess this would you would then assume there has been some kind of hold up on the m2 it's probably because of all of the shortages around you know like around everything at the moment so maybe apple was held off from m2 products uh, because mark also reports that an m2 pro update to the 14 and 16 inch macbook pro is now not expected until 2023 hmm. so what yeah. it seems from these reports so far is that we will see the m2 this year but the m2 pro could potentially be 2023, right? Because now right. the Mac Mini 
and the MacBook Pros not expected to get any updates until 2023. And it looks like what we're looking at here, at least for now, is an 18 to 24 month cycle of updating these products. And I wonder, in the long run, I'm wondering what that means in terms of of core, like the base core of the M chips and where at some point you'll be way behind the A series. So I wonder if they will have a skip year Uh where they go like based on like the M2 is based on the A15, but the M3 is based on the A17 or something like that. Like I do wonder if they'll get there at some point. I, I, it's hard to gauge given the supply chain constraints and everything else exactly what Apple wants this to be. I have a hard time believing that Apple wants a two-year cycle for upgrades. I think that it probably wants something more like 18 months Mm -hmm. um, and maybe even annually for some products, but I don't think, I mean, what Mark Gurman's report suggests more than anything is that they really did want to have a new MacBook Air about a year after the first one, and they just couldn't do it. Yep. And and so now it's going to be second half, which I had somebody in a Slack that I'm in say, oh, see, Mark Gurman says now that the MacBook Air is not going to come out until the fall. And it's like, well, second half starts in july 1st right like you could announce it at wwdc and ship it in july if you wanted to and that's technically second half yeah fall is probably more likely but we don't know yet i'm sure they would love to get it out before back to school if they can right i think that would be pretty prime i think apple would love to announce the m2 at wwdc right i think Mm -hmm. they would love that so we and maybe we will see that um yeah interesting to see that and and the um the MacBook Pro being less weird is an interesting wrinkle. I've been wondering for a while now if they would bring back the MacBook name. That's one way to do it. Um, but yeah, so I think the question is just when does the M2 cycle begin now that the M1 seems to be kind of gliding to its end? Ross Young, display analyst, has some uh, obviously some display reports. A 27-inch mini-LED standalone display is still expected by Young for June and he's referring to it as Studio Display Pro and has now corrected a rumor that he was talking about earlier in the year about an iMac Pro with these exact specs, Mm -hmm. 27 inches of mini-LED. What Young has said was that his supply chain contacts may have misconstrued what this panel was for or what he was told. Basically, like it was expected this panel is going to be for an iMac Pro, but there is no iMac Pro going to be its own more expensive display um 27 inches is odd to me i will say because that's exactly what the current studio display is i would have expected larger same and the rumors were for a larger imac too right so that would actually i i there are lots of things for me to be skeptical about about this report Mm -hmm. and i don't know ross young's track record but i'll just say that like this feels like something that may be in flux i guess is what i is what i would say that that is apple working on a a mini led standalone display or or a mini led display to put in a large you know a large product whether it's a standalone or or an imac undoubtedly right i mean i'm sure they're working on a replacement to the pro display xdr which is mini led right like that makes sense to me absolutely right so so what i'm saying though is i don't know if his information is going to get the ship dates right it seems weird to me that apple would follow up the studio display with a pro version uh three months later that seems very strange to me um, and also, he that means he's suggesting that they're going to announce the Mac Pro at WWDC, basically, uh-huh. and, and then ship it. 
Um, maybe. I mean, all of that. If it's possible to me, like it's possible to me that I can yeah. imagine them launching a new display alongside the Mac Pro. The thing I would struggle with is if it's the exact same size as the one that they just announced. Right. That would I, be I weird agree. to me. That would, would be, be very weird. weird. I will throw this out there: putting a display, pairing a display with a Mac Pro announcement. That's XDR kind of stuff. Yes. You do that when it's really expensive. Uh-huh. And that may be the story here is Apple is doing a standalone. Maybe it's even a 27. It's it's going to be XDR, mini LED backlit. It's going to be beautiful. They're pairing it with a Mac Pro because everybody's going to scream bloody murder when they find out that it costs 3000 bucks. Yeah. Right? That's the... Yep. That's that's the, the going to be the trick there. So if yeah. they do it... So for people who are like... And I know we're going to talk about the studio display a little bit later. Um for people who are saying I can't believe it like uh, oh I bought this thing and now they're going to do this other awesome thing and I can't believe that they would do this to me just wait till you see the price of it right because mm-hmm. like that's uh, right now if they do that the, the what is rumored it's going to cost a lot of money it's going to cost way more than $1,600 let me tell you and um, a lot of people are going to look at the uh, the studio display and say Oh, I'll I'll stick with this. this it's a good deal. <laughs> it's a nice. It's a it's a it's a well. That's that's one of the arguments about the studio display is people are like, ah, oh, but you can get other monitors. It's like you can, but really, there's only the LG Ultrafine, and everybody, you know, did not embrace the LG Ultrafine. It's okay, and people have bought it, but now you've got this Apple monitor, and yeah, it's more expensive. But like, what's the competition in terms of Apple really Apple focused monitors. There are other displays and always have been, but that's that's the problem that I have is like it is fi- fulfilling a specific need uh-huh. that at sixteen hundred dollars, given that it's from Apple, I actually was surprised that it it wasn't two thousand. So, um, it, it yeah, it yeah. you you pay extra, but you get an Apple display, and that's that's why. But the next one, if it's this one, it's not going to be. 1600 it's not going to be 2000 right? It's going to be 2500 or it's going to be 3000 It's going to be really expensive. And they're going to talk about all the pro and uh, dynamic range features for video and Pro-motion, all that kind of stuff. It's, and and ProMotion, sure, all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And, it's, and they're going to put it in a pro context because no regular person is going to buy it for what it's going to cost at the outset. And then, and then maybe next year it is in an iMac Pro and that iMac Pro will also be $5,000 or whatever like the old iMac Pro was. Maybe. And finally, Mark Gurman has published his expectation of the Mac lineup by the end of 2023. <laughs> so, like, keep in mind, 23. This yep. is next year. This is next this year, is uh, the end of 20 next year. months away. Yep. Yeah. So, Pro. MacBook Pro, 14 and 16 inch with an M2 Pro and M2 Max. iMac Pro with an M2 Pro and M2 Max. Mm. Mac Studio with an M2 Max and M2 Ultra. Mac Pro. With an M2 Ultra and M2 Extreme. That's what me and Steven said. Remember last totally uh, a couple of weeks ago, M2 Extreme, yeah. and Apple Pro Display 7K. <laughs> Whatever that is, right? Like it's the it's the XDR replacement, right? Yeah. it's the five thousand dollar display. Yeah, and then consumer MacBook Air with an M2, MacBook Pro 13 inch of an M2, Maybe Mac MacBook. Mini. With an M2, an M2 Pro version to replace the Intel model, iMac with an M2, Apple Studio display. Seems pretty reasonable, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's filling in the gaps there of what exists already and what seems like it will probably exist, and then filling it with M2 processors so they they finish the next turn of the wheel. 
I think that's all pretty reasonable. The things that make you raise your eyebrows are um, iMac Pro, right? Yep. Because they don't have something like that now. And that would be, and um, I think our guess that we just made is probably right, which is if you do that, you really make an iMac Pro and you put the good display in it and you yep. offer the same stuff that's in the Mac Studio and it it costs it costs, costs right yeah. maybe, maybe it doesn't start at 5000 but maybe it starts at 3000 and then the ultra version is 5000 something like that yeah but I, I i could see it i could see it um and then on the consumer side yeah that, that, i mean that's basically just everything that's obvious <laughs> plus the um the intel mac mini being replaced which is also obvious like it's yeah. it's i think i think that's right i think apple's consumer story is actually pretty clear right now of what they're going to do um we need to know some of the details but i don't think anybody really expects a giant revamp of it they're just gonna you know they'll update the macbook air and they're gonna fix the macbook pro 13 inch so that it isn't what it currently is and maybe rebrand it when they do that that's an interesting idea and then um i i we're still too early to settle on exactly what Apple's desired cycle is for this. I, I really am fascinated by that. Are they going to try to turn this over every two years or every year or every 18 months? But um, we're, we're um, there's less surprise, uh, it looks like. Um, of course, true surprises are surprises. But I don't know. I feel like we're getting the shape of it now. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, services, and even the content that you create. Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can get blogging. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share your stories, photos, videos, and updates with the world. You'll be able to categorize, share, and even schedule your posts to make your content work for you. You can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers? Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site, colors, your logo, and so much more. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every email that you send. And of course, you can sell your products on an online store, bringing all of this together. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. I have been using Squarespace for way over 10 years now. It's so easy. One of the things that I really love is their apps. Their uh, iPad and iPhone app are really great. They allow me to add content if I want it, and I can even make adjustments to my website and the settings and everything is super super awesome so head to squarespace.com upgrade and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required you can build your whole website customize it to your heart's content and when you're ready to launch it to the world use the offer code upgrade and you'll save 10 percent of your first purchase of a website or domain that's squarespace.com upgrade and when you sign up use the offer code upgrade and you'll get 10 percent of your first purchase and show your support for the show our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Upgrade and all of Relay FM. So the Mac Studio is now available to the world. And of course, you wrote your review, which was published uh, late last week. And so we're going to talk about it. Can you remind the Upgradian listeners, the Upgradians out there, the configuration that you have here and also the configuration that you ordered for yourself? Um, the... One that I've got here from Apple is the 3199 version. It's got the 32-core GPU. It's the M1 Max, 32-core GPU, 2 terabytes of storage, 64 gigs of RAM. The one I ordered was the 24-core GPU with 32 gigs of RAM and 2 terabytes storage. Okay. So it's storage is the same, less RAM, 
and you yours is the base M1 Max, is that right? The 24 core uh, with 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 two gig, two terabytes of storage. But yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, that's, that's I'm the cheap. base configuration. Okay, <laughs> I, know, I, I almost mean... went with the base base, but I have a my iMac Pro had one terabyte of onboard storage, and I decided that was um I wanted more than that because I was hitting right up against it. I wouldn't say it's cheap because I mean you're being practical with it, like. This yeah. is already more powerful than the machine, you know, that is replaced. Yeah, what I'm saying is more that, like, when I got the iMac Pro, I got the base model. <laughs> yeah. And when I got the Mac Studio, I got the base model, plus a little bit, but mostly I got the base model. Because for me, I am one of those people who's like, I'm tempted by those pro kind of features, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go venturing up into the high-end mm. configure-to-order expensive. It's like, for me, getting to the base model is the is the place that, you know, achieves my goal. And then I don't need to go beyond that. Yep. One of the things I find interesting right now, like I've just been poking around on Apple's website, and basically the only machines that are available for pickup anywhere are the base configurations. Like you add any kind of build-to-order spec, and it's like unavailable and it's 10 to 12 mm-hmm. weeks like anything that you change i mean usually i mean in the past you know we've experienced this there are like certain configurations they do keep in store now and i don't know if you go to an apple store maybe that's maybe it's different but for the pickup at least like you know sometimes maybe if you bumped up the ram one and bumped up the ssd one you might be able to get it but at the moment it seems like everything is really really back ordered i mean just in general like I know that it's been tough. Like my display, we're going to talk about display in a bit, um, isn't coming still. Like I've had no update sometime between the end of March and the beginning of April. And I ordered yeah. it immediately. But that's because I didn't go for the regular one, Like which you can, you know, you can pick those up in store. But if you want one of the stand options, you know, like either the VESA or the adjustable stand, you, you have to get it online and you are going to be waiting. So I, right. I don't know what's going on there. But Well, I mean, Shenzhen, the, the, um, the factories in Shenzhen, Shut down briefly. Yeah, for COVID. I mean, so, on top of um, everything else, you know. So, like, you know, it's, it, it was already delays. I'm sure before even that all started to happen again. So, uh, do you have any having used a machine which is going to be a bit more powerful than the one that you have ordered? Do you have any regrets about the order that you made? No. Okay. I, I'm not ever stressing the GPU really of anything. And 24 24 core GPU. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I'll be fine. I'll be, and I'll be just fine of RAM is definitely going to be enough too. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, yeah, I think so. That that's that's. I have a hard time justifying the cost to go mm-hmm. up to sixty four, and I'm not sure that it it really is. Again, one of those yep. things that is necessary I mean, for my use. Yeah, like I've told this story before on the show, right? Like I got sixteen gigabytes of RAM on my first M1 machine uh, because it was all I could do, right? And I have sixteen gigabytes of RAM on the iMac in front of me. Now the MacBook Pro was a problem. Like I was, it was always telling me it was running out of RAM. So when I got my new MacBook Pro, like the second generation MacBook Pro, I went up to sixty-four gigabytes, and that's that was more than more more than needed. Like I could have got away with thirty-two, and I reckon I'd be absolutely fine. Yeah, there was just something going on with that MacBook Pro because I never get those like pop-ups telling me I've run out of RAM on my iMac, and I put my right. iMac through way more than I put that MacBook yeah. Pro through. So I don't know what was something going on. weird, something weird was happening going on. But whereas the terabytes uh, on the SSD, it's like I live with this thing. Uh-huh. I have big projects. I have had those moments where I've needed to clear things out. It's not, you know, I'm not always running right up against it, um, but it's enough. It's enough for me to be to decide I don't. I'll pay some money to not be bothered by it anymore. Yeah, like this. This one here has two terabytes, and 
I have 1.05 terabytes available, right? So yeah. you can see I'm right up against it. And it, I'd be happy to not be right up against it. Oh, for sure. Like, I have a terabyte on my iMac, and I have 286 gigabytes available. I don't like that. Yeah, Like, that's, exactly. that's closer than I need to be, considering, you know, I have things that can get very large in size very quickly, like projects that I'm working on, you know? So I would, but again, it was all I could do with the M1. Like, I, I don't think I had more, exactly. much more of an option, um, right. at least for this machine. So I agree, like, storage, I mean, because how long did you have your iMac Pro for? Like, four or five years? Something like that? Uh, well, since it came out, so what is that? That's it was 2017, uh, wasn't it? It I was think? December 2017, yeah. so four plus years. And yeah. so, again, the expectation would be that this Mac, that's what this Mac Studio will get from you. So yeah. if there was anything you were going to change, I would completely agree with you that SSD storage is the one to bump up for. Yeah, I think so. I want to read a quote from your article. This is a computer designed to be used, not to be looked at as a piece of art. When you choose to stick ports on the front of a computer, you are, choo you are choosing function over form. That is the story of the Mac Studio. Yep. It is a very utilitarian computer. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's what it is. And it's it's I, telling I, the story of itself, like in the way that you mention it, right? Like they have built a computer to work good. <laughs> and that's what it does, right? I, I refer to it, some people complain because I, I refer to it as homely, which is, it, it's, a, it's a, sl a slur, right? I am saying that it's unattractive in appearance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also I will point out that there is this other meaning sort of like, or at least vibe from that term. And I know it, in the Britishism, homely also means sort of like uh, com comfy, like not fancy, but cozy and comfy and, and, and unpretentious. That's another kind of phrase of homely. And that is also what I mean, like... It is a tool. It is designed yeah. to be used. It is utilitarian. And is it is it beautiful and an object of art? No, 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 it's not. And that's the point. And it's okay. And if you if you like how it looks, great. But like I feel like it it is it it is it's supposed to look like something that you actually use and and if they put the ports the ports of the story right like they put ports on the front and a slot on the front uh -huh. you do that when you don't care about the form because you really know that people want ports on the front for the function and yeah. and that tells the whole story of this product and that's that's good that's a, it's a good thing it's not We've just spent five years or more with pros, especially telling Apple, stop making my life harder for aesthetics I don't care about when I'm doing my job. And also, like, by putting ports on the front of it, there is a demonstration of saying, we are proud of the way this thing looks because we want you to put it on front of, in front of you on your desk, right? Sure. You know, like, by putting the ports on the front rather than, say, like, on the top like they are on the Mac Pro, right? Which is right. like, oh, we know you're going to put this thing under the desk, so we put them on the top so they're easy to get mm -hmm. to. But putting them on the front, that is saying, like, this thing sits on the table. And that's where all of Apple's shots show, right? Like, it's on the table in front of you. Day one, I had plugged into the front ports and mm -hmm. put a card in the card slot. Day one. Yeah. I was doing those photos for The Verge, and I was yeah. just sticking the card in the slot uh, from out of my out of the Sony camera. And then the um, uh, when I was pairing the wireless uh, like track 
pad, uh, mm-hmm. I just plugged it into the front because it was right there, right? Like, yep. why well, reach around to the back to just plug it in right there? And it's like, oh, now this trackpad is paired and I can I can continue the startup process. The I kind of wished I had one USB-C port in the front of my iMac. Like, I really do. Like, yeah. And I know that sounds silly, but like, I have to do that similar thing because of the way, I mean, anytime, right? You use one of their keyboards, Apple's keyboards, every now and then you got to plug it in to charge it. And yeah. I kind of find it awkward to reach behind there, you know? And yeah. with my iMac Pro, I used to have one of these things, I think SanDisk made it maybe, where it would like put some ports on the front and it was like color matched with the iMac Pro. Hmm. Um, so you could have some ports on the front and I like that like I think that that's good or like David is saying in the chat on the side would be even would be nicer even right because sure. just not on the back it's like a little awkward I have to like move the iMac which luckily that this 24 inch iMac is so incredibly light it's very easy to just swivel on the base that I got it on sure. um, but you know there is something to be said for having ports on the front of your machine alright and especially this machine this is meant to be like a creative workhorse machine like that right what it's for and so exactly that right you want to put an uh, an sd card port on it great put it on the back you'll just annoy everyone everyone will Mm -hmm. be annoyed at you if you put the sd card port on the back absolutely right and if you think about it in a whether it's in a um like a lot of us are individuals but like if it's in a studio environment where it's locked down by a bunch of it people or it's an education environment Uh or it's a a video lab in a high school or something like that like the it people are going to come in and they're going to have everything plugged in the back and it's going to be all zip tied off and locked down and have the security uh bolt on it and all those things right and then the kid comes in with a camera and they're like all right well now i need to import my footage or the person in the in the pro you know, a pro studio environment. It's like, uh-huh. well, that's what the ports on the front are for, right? Like that's, you don't need to, you don't need to mess with it. It's, it's mounted, it's locked, whatever it is. doesn't matter. Use the ports in the front. Ports in the front are right there. And that's, that's, it's just utilitarian and it is good. And I, I like I used it immediately. So I thought that was, um, I thought that was great. By the way, as an aside, since you're talking about your iMac, uh, putting an Apple Silicon computer on my desk also meant that I initiated operation be like Mike Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> which is I now have I now have a secret button underneath my desk yes. where, that I can place my finger on to unlock things via Touch ID, oh, and so no good. one needs to know that there's a whole keyboard under there. Isn't it great? Velcroed though? to the bottom. I just have a little secret Touch ID button, like I could, like I'm like a James Bond villain, and yeah. I'm dropping somebody into a pool of sharks. And it's That's like a There it is. I yeah. feel like I'm a Spectre agent. You know. Just yep, like, I'm doing it. I, I'm I'm doing it. I've, I'm thinking about. Um, getting like carabiner or something and like blocking out all the other keys on the keyboard so that I don't accidentally miss and type things. I've never done it. I've never done once it. Once you locate where it is in your mind, then it's you don't memory. do it. Yeah. But but I did the first day, I, I did a whole bunch of like nonsense. The only thing I've ever done is like if for some reason, I don't know why, like I have a right to like, maybe messed around with my chair a little bit like the arms on my chair or something if i kind of uh just shuffle a little in my chair i can lock my mac because it hits the, the power button on the uh, keyboard yeah, that's not so good. <laughs> and so like it boop, just just locks it for me um uh, but you know most of the time not an issue but yeah, yeah you anyway, can go cool. wild if you want to you can type as much as you it's like cool. and i'm I'm sad that it's only the silver version that's available online but then again i can't see that keyboard so it's fine it's yep. fine I have a beautiful yellow keyboard stuck to the bottom of my desk. Yeah. Talking well, about your desk, you yes. reference it being cluttered and that you now have an Apple Silicon computer on your desk, right? You've got a monitor. We're going to talk about the monitor in a bit, but the machine mm-hmm. is sitting on the top. Yes. What do you feel about this, having this big machine? 
big, quote unquote, like sitting on wow. the desk. Is that wh- well, how does that feel for you? Yeah, keep in mind with the iMac, I uh, um, both the iMac Pro and the iMac uh, 5K before that. It's been since I first moved in here, and I had a Dell monitor on an arm, and I had a, a MacBook Air docked to it. Right, mm-hmm. that I've had something on the desk because with the arm, it's floating above the desk. And uh, if people want to look at this, I mean, I guess I can get an image for the show notes. We did a video, Dan Morin and I did a video yeah. uh, after the embargo dropped for about 90 minutes and we answered questions and we talked about it. And w- and one of the shots in that for most of that video is an overhead shot of my desk. So you can see the Mac Studio and you can see the display and you can see all the cables. And that was a... So it's a change because I have this thing on my desk that didn't used to be there. What's nice about it from a cabling perspective is that most of the cables go into the back of the Mac studio, which is over right now. I've got it over by the cable port on the top of the desk, the the hole hole, that the cables route through. And then only two cables, right? Only two cables, power and the Thunderbolt cable are running to the display. So it's less cable cluttery in that way. And when mm-hmm. the arm, when I get my vase amount version with arm, those two cables will run down the arm. I see. And it, but but I do have this square. Because when when with the iMac, all of the cables have to run freely to the machine itself, yes. right? And then they're on the arm and you need some slack on them so you can move it around. But yeah, exactly. All of the like, most of the ports, you can just put them all the way in the corner if you want to and they're because they're, they're attached to the Mac itself. Right. You know, how do you feel about having the computer on your desk though? It's it's going to take some getting used to yeah. and I'm not sure I, I will get used to it. I... I I'm open to the idea of mounting it under my desk, honestly. Um, I'm thinking about that. Like if somebody would make, and it hasn't happened yet, there are companies that make under desk mounts, but they are, have not made one that is for the essentially Mac mini dimension, dimensions, but four inches high, which is what uh-huh. you need for this thing. Um, I'm sure someone will, right? If they haven't already, they will be announcing those products soon. But like, I would be open to doing that. I would probably want to mount it toward the front of my desk so I had access to the slots and stuff. Mm-hmm. But getting it off my desk might be nice just because it would give me more space on my desk because I like my desk to be uncluttered. But um, but it's okay. It's just it's it's just fascinating to me because I just got used to the all-in-one life, right? Yeah. And now... I'm not in that all-in-one life. And so I've got this other object that has the, the pro is all the cables just feed into it. And then the, the one cable comes out and goes to the monitor from the computer. That's great. Um, but the other thing is there is this, this block of aluminum sitting on the top of my desk and that's a different, different kind of feel. So I'll be interested to see how I adapt to it over time. And if I, tr- if I do end up mounting it underneath the desktop instead right we'll see i've been kind of perplexed a little bit about the m1 max in the mac studio after reading Mm -hmm. your review yeah and it's kind of about performance and how that performance is extracted in the machine so i want to start off just by getting your thoughts on the performance of the machine in general and for you how it compares to the computer it is replacing so like how have you felt about the performance improvements compared to i think the most important thing the previous pro mac that you had sure i I think so first again to be clear apple did not supply me with an m1 ultra configuration wish they had but they didn't i honestly jason i'm actually kind of pleased they didn't and the reason is, it's like, 
I feel like there's been too much, all the reviews that I've seen focus on the Ultra, which is not the machine most people will buy. Right. It's the news, though. But it's not the machine most people yeah, will buy. Yeah, I understand but maybe it is from your perspective thing. of like writing the review, maybe you'd want the biggest. But me as a reader, I pr- I'm happy you actually got the more realistic one. So what in doing that, though, what I realized in having the M1 uh, Max is I compared it to the M1 Max MacBook Pro that I reviewed last fall. Uh-huh. I ran the same tests. And... Since this is the first time we've had two non-M1 Apple Silicon Macs that ran the same chip. Now, I know that was a lot of qualifiers, so let me phrase it a different way, too. We've had a lot of M1 devices, right? Mac Mini, MacBook Air, uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro, and then the iMac, uh, iPad Pro, Uh (laughs) now the iPad Air. They all have the M1. And if you do tests on them, they're all the same. Like, they're all the same. Because the M1 is the M1, and Apple Silicon computers don't have a lot of variants. They're not like cranking up the clock speed on some and cranking it down on others. There's a little bit of variation, especially when the things that aren't cooled and they are running hot, that they will crank down a little bit. But like they're pretty much just what they are. And I know we've talked about this before. An M1 computer is an M1 computer, and it's just you buy what shape you want. Do you want a standalone little Mac mini thing? Do you want an iMac? Do you want a laptop? Which kind of laptop? We've got two. Do you want an iPad? we got two of those now, too. So M1 is M1. Now we get an M1 Max, uh, Mac Studio. Okay, well, we already know about the M1 Max from the MacBook Pro. And what I found is that the same holds for the M1 Max. An M1 Max is an M1 Max. So if you are thinking of a... Roughly, I think I priced it, $3,200 MacBook Pro with the same configurations as a $2,000 Mac Studio. They're the same. Okay. One of them is a laptop with a really awesome screen. That's why it costs more. And one of them is this hunk of aluminum that sits on your desk. But in terms of performance, they're exactly the same. Especially the 16, because the 16-inch MacBook Pro has a little bit better cooling and stuff, so there's a little less throttling. But the truth is, even in most circumstances, the 14-inch MacBook Pro is, it's an M1 Max. And an M1 Max is an M1 Max. We'll see where Apple Silicon goes in the future, but right now, like, if it if it has the same specs, it's the same computer. Um, and, and so there's no surprises with the Mac Studio in that way. It is a... Uh, an M1 Max MacBook Pro you put on your desk. Now, keep in mind, that's the high-end MacBook Pro, and this is the base model Mac Studio. So it's not the... Uh, like, I bought my son a MacBook Pro last week because his computer hilariously died, or was dying hilariously. And I bought him the base model 14-inch MacBook Pro. That's a that's an M1 Pro. That is not what is in the Mac Studio. The Mac Studio is better than that. But if you spec it up to be the same... It's the same that MacBook Pro and the and the Mac Studio. So that's my first thought. Is uh, it's just interesting. And if you're if you're somebody who is a MacBook Pro person and you're looking at the Mac Studio and comparing it to your laptop and thinking, should I buy a Mac Studio? I think it's worth saying that if you're putting money into a MacBook Pro with all those specs, maybe you should just if you're not going to get the ultra configuration of the studio maybe you should just get a monitor if you don't have one already and and dock it and you're going to get the same performance like that that $3200 MacBook Pro attached to the studio display would be basically identical to the mm-hmm. Mac Studio 
it costs more, more than a thousand dollars more, but it would basically be identical. So that's one lesson that I learned is, is we have reinforced the M1 is an M1 is an M1, M1 Max is an M1 Max. That's just how it is. Now, I had an eight core Xeon 2017 iMac Pro. So for me, like it's, it is, there were some things that even the MacBook Air M1 was faster than my iMac Pro, but there were some things where it wasn't. Um, but with Isotope, which is my high-end, you know, audio plugins that I use all the time, doing their Apple Silicon version, and then running it on the M1 Max, like, okay, everything is a lot faster. Final Cut exports are faster. Uh, the SSD is twice as fast, because remember, SSDs keep getting faster. And and the iMac Pro was no slouch. It was a $5,000 Pro-level iMac that was meant to replace the Mac Pro. It's no slouch, but you know, time moves on <laughs> and now we're in Apple Silicon land and everything is better. So I just have that moment, you know, everybody out there who's gotten a new computer, uh, which is everybody out there, you know, that feeling, right? Where everything seems the same, but it isn't like, everything is just smoother. And you're like, it's, it's different. It's like, everything's just a little faster and a little more responsive. And like, that is the feeling I've had for the last week plus that I've had. This is I've migrated my whole system over and I've been using it as my regular system. And it's just, everything's nicer, everything about it Um, coming from an older iMac pro. um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's delightful. It really is. But just, just to keep in mind for people who are MacBook pro people, um, there's no inherent desktopness that is brought by the Mac Studio. Uh, the MacBook Pro has all that stuff too, and and if it, it, the difference is you pay an extra thousand plus dollars because it's a laptop and it's got the screen, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the thing that's been so intriguing to me. Well, one one I will say I'm happy that you're feeling those gains from the iMac. Oh yeah, which you would obviously. But it's once nice. there's just some stuff that was interesting. Like you mentioned that there is a persistent fan noise that this machine yeah. puts out. It's the quiet. MacBook Pro does not do this. And yep. so, like, I just, what is intriguing to me is, like, it seems like this machine was built for the Ultra, right? But then mm-hmm. they put the Max in it, like the M1 Max in it. But then because they built this, like, huge fan and the heat sink and everything for the Ultra, the Max version also gets it and everything that comes along with that but it therefore produces slightly different characteristics for ultimately the same performance. Yeah, it's a different heatsink, right? In the, it's in a the material Max the Ultra. only, but like the Max chip does not need that heatsink to perform because the MacBook Pro doesn't have it. Well, except that the way that the MacBook Pro ventilation is designed versus uh-huh. the way the Mac Studio ventilation is designed, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. because they they want an unbroken top, and so they're they're pulling the air in from the bottom and then shooting it out the back, and you know it is the fan is always running. Um, I will say that what's nice about that is that the sound is consistent. I couldn't get the fan to change sound. The fan yeah. runs the way it runs. The fan is also imperceptible unless you're in an absolutely silent room. But my room was absolutely silent at one point. It didn't have music playing. I had nothing else going on. Nobody, the, the Roomba wasn't going in the uh-huh. other room. Like it was absolutely silent. And I just had a moment where I went, oh, because I could hear it. Yeah. Very quiet. Very quiet. I, I think you would, if, you, if you're one of those people who's like, everything must be silent, you know, 
I I have to report it that like there is a there is a sound there. The studio display also has a fan, by the way, but I can't hear that at all. That's that's completely silent. But the the Mac Studio it has it has a little bit of a, a little bit of a fan. I don't think I don't think it's a big deal. But it was another one of those like having a computer on my desk. It was one of those adaptations where I'm like, oh, this computer sounds like something when it's on, and you have to listen carefully. Whereas it's not like the iMac Pro fans didn't blow all the time but they were f- pointed away from me behind the whole screen <laughs> and so that sound yeah. didn't really reach me i had to go around to the other side and put my ear to it um and this one i didn't have to do that i could hear it it was very quiet and it's it's subsumed by literally any other noise it's just a very very low quiet white noise sound but it's there just it's worth I'm, I'm not complaining about it it's it's much more like a warning label because i know some people are like it must be absolutely silent I'm like well mm, it's not absolutely silent that's not the case and i'm not one of these people either who cares about that kind of stuff i my my kind of thing i'm pointing at is it's just i find it really interesting that the mac studio and the macbook pro have basically the same performance with the same guts in the max yeah. version but they are just built very differently they are they and are. that's just really intriguing to me. It's like a thing that that it will do. And uh, the Mac Studio is cheaper. Let's, let, again, I, I want to point that out. That that because I think this goes into that other thought, which is the thing that I I have definitely gone back and forth on, which uh-huh. is do I want to buy a Mac Studio or do I really want to buy a MacBook Pro? Because I do sometimes need a Mac laptop and attach it. And that's yep. when I configured out the MacBook Pro for twelve hundred dollars more or something. Yep. And what I realized was personally. <laughs> everybody's different here what i realized was i would rather have a desktop mac that meets my needs for absolute day-to-day use and then spend 9.99 on a macbook air i can travel with that is not gonna be as powerful but that's fine rather than spending you know more than three thousand dollars on a laptop yeah um and I just, that's what I decided. And I know that, because like literally you add the MacBook Air and the Mac Studio together, it's about the cost of the laptop. So I could, I could unify, but you know, then I, I can get a new MacBook Air down the road and Mac Studio will still be here. And I don't, they're not, they're not yoked together in any way. And mm-hmm. I just decided that I would rather have that lighter, uh, lower cost laptop experience for when I travel um, and not have it be a no compromises. I'm bringing my whole setup with me. Uh, but everybody's going to be different. Yeah, and of course, right, like the MacBook Pro is partly more expensive because it has a display, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. you would need to have a display for the Mac Studio. But then if you were going to be using the MacBook Pro on a desk, you would also want a display for that, which then makes it even yeah. more expensive, right? Well, so. that, that's that's basically my argument is, yeah. is I'm going to have a 27-inch display on my desk. So the question is, what do I attach a Mac Studio to it or do I attach a MacBook Pro to it? Yeah. And everybody's going to be different. I, I decided that I would rather have the thin and light um, little laptop to take with me and have that power on my desk rather than the other option, which is to have the laptop that does it all that lives most of the time plugged in. Uh-huh. But it was, you know, it was a close call, honestly. But I think in the end, I'm I'm just happier this way. Yeah, I have no idea what my future lies at the moment with my recording setup. 
Like, you know, I know now for my main working setup, it's going to be what exactly what I have now, just with a different monitor, right? So instead of having right. the LG display that I have, I'm going to have the Apple Studio display. But there was always a question of like, what happens on the desk that I'm at right now, where I have the M1 iMac and the um, and I have like a just a Dell display on the side, just because I need a bit more screen space. And you know, I have no idea what it's going to look like for me. You know, I was wondering, would it be the Mac Studio? But I don't, I don't. Th- think so but then like would i just use should i just use my macbook pro should i just move it from machine to like from desk to desk like one inside of my like sound isolated area where i record like do it and just have two displays like i I have no idea right now what i'm gonna do because my original thought was oh i'll just put an imac pro in here but and maybe i wait right like maybe i just keep running this imac for like another year which it definitely could do my only problem is every time like i travel I realize just how much quicker <laughs> that my MacBook Pro is doing the tasks that I'm doing every day when I'm here on my M1 machine. And there, it is, I'm noticing significant differences in some of the tasks that I'm performing now, um, just from a time perspective that I miss when I'm, when I'm doing it on my M1. But yeah, so what, last thing I wanted to ask you about the Mac Studio is, was this a hard computer to review? Yeah. I I think because I didn't get the Ultra, it was not as hard. In fact, I mean, my display review is longer than my Mac Studio review. I did more tests, but I always do tests. The fact that the display review was longer was what made me think of this question. Yeah, so I, I would say it wasn't harder to review because it was completely full of things we knew in terms of performance. So that that is sometimes a harder thing, right? Because you need to quantify performance. And instead, I really was able to say, it's a MacBook Pro and one mm-hmm. Max, right? They're the same. There's no surprises here. And in the end then, I mean, because these reviews aren't easy to do, but in the end then it becomes like a couple different essays. <laughs> like yeah. it's an essay about using uh, all-in-one versus using uh, a modular computer and Apple's history with that. And I wrote, you know, I wrote that review and I also wrote a piece for Macworld about it and I wrote a piece for The Verge about it. So I like, I, I wrote a lot of words about Apple's history with modular Macs and then not making them and with the iMac becoming kind of like the replacement for modular Macs. So another kind of essay about that. Um, and then uh, an essay about the choices that you make in terms of a laptop versus a desktop and and do you hook a laptop up to the external display instead of the Mac Studio? And like that that's that's part of the like so so in the end I would say it wasn't hard to write the review because um because it was although this product was unexpected, its characteristics are not surprises, right? There mm-hmm. and, and that so that changes it. It ends up being more about form over function and the the design cho- choices for the 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 Mac Studio and what it means to have it on your desk instead of in an all in one stuff like that. All right, this episode is also brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Do you want Chinese tonight? Maybe your flatmate wants pizza. Someone else is craving Froyo. It doesn't matter because there's something for everyone on DoorDash because they connect you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. You can also get grocery essentials that you need with DoorDash too. You can get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered to you in under an hour. 
Ordering is super easy. You can open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with their contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and the Cheesecake Factory. We just came back from Memphis, and where we, where we were staying in Memphis, my wife and I, uh, it lacked any good coffee shops that have been walking distance. So our friend DoorDash was there to help us. When we were getting ready in the morning, we were rushing around. We got places to go, people to see. We were able to DoorDash to our hotel. It was a huge help. Similarly, when we recorded the upgrade episode after the keynote, we had like a real like time. Like I had, I was very restricted on time that day. And I was able to use DoorDash to help me get lunch. So I could stay and edit and my food was brought to me. It was amazing. I had Chipotle that day. It was fantastic. Uh, for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app and enter the code UPGRADE2022 if you're in the US and UPGRADE AUS if you're in Australia. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter the code UPGRADE2022 if you're in the US and UPGRADE AUS for Australia. One last time, UPGRADE2022 for the US, Upgrade AUS for Australia, and you will get 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. So now we turn our attention then to the Apple Studio display, 27-inch display. What are your... I want to get kind of like top-level stuff. The looks, the stand, you know, the model you got is the, the regular model, right? What are your like overall thoughts? I got nano texture. But yes, it's a standard stand. Oh, yeah. Did you? I missed that in your review. I, I'm sorry. But... Uh, I, I mean, I feel like I've already written about nanotexture. It is what it is. I wouldn't buy it. But then again, I used to I used to work in an office where I had to have a window behind me. And I would have d- desperately wanted it for that office. But yeah. my current office, I'm never going to... I don't have to put the window behind me. So it's unnecessary. But it's nice. It's it's. I mean, it is your, your glare-free option uh-huh. if you are in a place with glare. But otherwise, it's the standard... Um, you know, unadjustable stand kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I tried not to get too fussy about it. Cause I feel, I feel like the people who listen to this show already know the story here, but like the story here is it's an Apple display. It is not an LG display. The panel is very similar to the most recent 5k iMac panel. That's also the LG ultra fine panel. It's not the same. I, asked about that and the the because it's 600 nits it's like it's it's not the same it's a brighter panel than Uh that but it looks very familiar like in front of me i couldn't tell the difference between this and the imac 5k and then the imac pro panels that i had in front of me all this time i think the imac 5k i originally had didn't have the wide color gamut but the imac pro panel in this panel like it it feels exactly the same the the thing that the people like upgradians will understand is um, LG's monitor is not an Apple monitor, right? It's it's not. It, it's it's okay, but this is fully Apple look and feel. And I know it's like there's no logo on it. the The black bezels are much thinner than an IMAX bezels, and they are, they look really good. They ha- it has the aluminum foot, so it like it is full on Apple design language, and not it feels good. It's not. It, it junky in any way and like I, part of the context of some reviews of this display 
is there are other displays. And it's true. However, there aren't other displays other than the UltraFine that really hit the resolution that Apple wants for the Mac. It turns yep. out, turns out that uh, Apple abandoning the display market did not create a great influx of displays to serve Mac users the way they chose to be served. Didn't happen. It's just, we all know that. And so I think it's pretty rich to review this monitor and say there are other displays because the answer is really there are other display (laughs) one if you want what apple wants from a display which is something like that 27 inch imac not a curved 4k 30 inch display that's way lower resolution than apple would prefer you use on a mac and and so you you have all always had those options but for the people who really wanted the apple like thing there was just the lg ultrafine and this is much nicer than that in yeah. a lot of ways and and so that's that's um i think it's important for some people obviously it's not for others but you know you can turn around and bump into a podcast where the hosts are complaining about the lg ultrafine display and have been for years now and it's not that it is terrible and it, but it's been the only option and there are things about it that people would make people pine for what would apple do if they made this display and here's your answer is it's it's way more expensive but it's nicer and are we surprised that that's the ultimate answer i liked what what neil patel said in his review um which was kind of like there are people that these specific things mean that this monitor is worth it and you kind of know you are one of those people already right like the idea of the resolution being just right and that kind of stuff is like that really is a thing that is important to some people like that i am I like that, but I'm not one of those people. Like I've used and I've been using an LG display for, I don't know, best part of two years. And I really like the display. The problem I have is the unreliability of plugging the thing in and it doing what I want. And I do not expect to have this issue come three weeks from now or whatever when I get mine, right? My expectation is I will just plug it in and it does exactly what I'm expecting it to do every single time. Where at the moment it doesn't and it requires a lot of plugging and unplugging to get it to work properly, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's it. This is, and again, you know, look, there are a lot of competition out there, but it is, and I know we've talked about Apple's whole desire of like how many first party things can we make because we, we get you in the Apple store and then we upsell you on all these other things and they've all got Apple product margins and Apple makes a lot of money. And there's a reason Apple makes a lot of money. They do this sort of thing. That said, there is also value in getting the Apple thing that mm-hmm. Apple is built for its its products. Like there are people trying to use this with PCs and stuff and and yeah, they it will work or some aspects of it will work. But like this is a display made by Apple to be connected to Macs. And that has value to a lot of people. Not necessarily to everyone. Again, I have a friend a uh, friend of the show, Scott McNulty, who's been on before. Hi, Scott. Scott has Scott has a 5K iMac and a big curved fancy display. And the 5K iMac, he doesn't even use. It's off on the side because he uses the big curved fancy display. And he bought a Mac Studio because he's like, all right, I can just hook it directly to my big fancy display, right? Great, right? Like if you have one of those displays and you like it, you know, great. But there is definitely an audience for... Oh, it's just a 27-inch display like the ones we're familiar with, and it's from Apple, and it, it has been built to work with all of Apple's products. And there, you know, it, it, everybody's going to have a different idea of the value of that. 
but I can feel it like when it wasn't there, that there was a lot of feeling of like, mm, wow, I have to compromise somewhere. It would be a lot easier if I could spend a little more money and just get an Apple display that does it. Because it turns out only Apple has our best interest at heart. I mean, they also want to sell us something for a lot of money, but you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. the rest of the display market is not like, but what about the Mac? They're just not <laughs> like, or if they are, they're doing it to the minimum amount, like, because they're thinking about, but what about gamers? And what about people in offices with PCs? And then, oh yeah, we should make sure, does the Mac work with this? It does great. And, and uh, that's fine, but it's really nice to have something that is built for us. It's made for us. And when Apple does a display, that's what it is. And that's why it costs more, but it's good to have it. And I'm glad it exists. So speaking of features for the Mac, there's been quite a lot of brouhaha about the webcam and maybe partly because of some of the decisions that Apple's made around making it center stage, that kind of stuff. So there's been lots of reviews uh, published by people all over the place, and there's been vastly varying uh, results on people's opinions of the quality of the webcam inside of this display. Yeah, oh yeah, you seem to be pretty happy. So, I, not, not to tell tales out of school, but like embargoed reviewers talk sometimes. Uh huh. You see something weird, and you're like, okay, what did you see? Here? You want to make sure you're thing? seeing the same thing, right? So yeah. you're not way off. Yeah. The, so oh. I I don't know if we're supposed to do that or not, but it happens, right? It, there there there's there's some talk that happens in the back channel, and I had somebody uh, back channel me and say, are you seeing bad image quality with the the studio display? And so here's the thing, I got the heads up about it. If I had wanted to be running with the pack. I could have put in verbiage about questionable image quality, even if I didn't see it, but I didn't see it. And that 90 minute video I did with Dan Moore on the day the embargo dropped is entirely my side of it shot with the studio display camera uh -huh. and it looks fine. So if I can't duplicate what they're seeing, I can't, I can't report it. I like, I can't report what, because the, the, the cool kids saw it. And I didn't see it. So there's a few options here. One is hardware variants, and I just got a good panel or I got a good camera. I don't think that's it. Software variants, we all checked our firmware. It's the same. Okay. Well, what is it? I think this is a software problem. I think it's, and Apple said that there's a bug that they're fixing. We'll see like if that really fixes it or not but they 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 did a little statement of like oh no 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 it's it, it'll be fine folks it'll be fine just trying to do some damage control there we'll see if it actually is fine but i think light two things are happening i think one is i think it behaves differently in different lighting conditions and i think that there are certain lighting conditions that are better and certain that are worse and that is lighting and background lighting and foreground it may even be face detection that like my face is better at 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 being you know detected i don't know but i i my spider sense is tingling that that there's a problem going on in certain circumstances and that I didn't have those circumstances. Now, I will be I'll be honest, I did not turn off all my lights and close my blinds and get in the worst situation possible. I just used it at my desk like I use every webcam that I've ever used and compared it and it seemed yeah. fine. So I think that's one of the things that's going on here. Yeah, because I watched the video that you made and it looks fine, like, right? Your image is soft but fine. Sure. 
it's fine. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that, that I think is happening and that is real. And even though I didn't have much of an experience with it, I, I believe the other reviewers that it's an issue. The other part is context. And that is trickier because that's about the eye of the beholder. That is about the person doing the review. My context is uh, the iMac Pro webcam, which is a 1080 webcam. Um, it's fine. And also as an iPad Pro user who has been using center stage since it came out for weekly Zoom calls with Lauren's family and weekly um, FaceTime calls with my mom. So I've seen the the same center stage camera and center stage software work on the iPad a lot. So first off, the center stage camera is kind of grainy in certain circumstances. It's a byproduct of the fact that they are taking a big 12 megapixel image and they're cropping and de-skewing uh, it in order to make it seem like there's the ghost cameraman back there shooting you. It's not always a great picture. That's true. That's been true all along. And maybe I'm just so used to what a center stage camera looks like that I'm not taken aback like some people are. And second is, what are you comparing it to? I'm comparing it in terms of context. I'm comparing it to the center stage camera. I think a lot of them are comparing it to 4K webcams that are static. Or I saw some pictures that were still photos taken with the front and back cameras of iPhones. It's like, well, okay. Of course it's not better than that. But how does it compare? And I put it up against center stage on my iPad Pro, and I was like, I don't know. I think that the studio display camera actually looks better than the center stage camera on my iPad Pro in the same position. I think the iPad Pro is zoomed in a lot more, and so it's even more grainy, whereas the studio display, I think that the algorithm's a little different, and it's 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 a, a little wider out. So... I don't know. My guess is you've got people who are familiar with higher quality image capturing devices, uh, some of which are webcams and some of which are not, looking at a possibly degraded in certain lighting camera and saying this camera is garbage. Whereas I have familiarity with center stage and I'm in a well-lit environment and I look at it and go, yeah, that's what, exactly what I expected. It's center stage. And center stage has other issues, right? It, it doesn't It doesn't quite center you aggressively enough in my opinion and i know that they're probably trying to prevent it from being this really queasy like as we bob and move the camera is endlessly tracking you because that would be unpleasant but i know there's an art to it and i feel like it leaves me as the only person in the frame it leaves me off center for a long time before figuring out that i'm not centered and centering me and i think that that is a center stage problem they need to fix do you think this could be because i mean my understanding is this is being powered by the a13 chip which is found inside of the machine right inside of the display yeah i assume so i assume that we don't know but i assume what's happening is the a13 is doing all of this processing and then just sending the picture out to the mac and that's partially because there are macs that are compatible with this that are not that are not um, Apple Silicon. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they wouldn't be able to process it as well, theoretically, as the A13. Although I did think that one option, if you want to make the quality better, is to check and see if you have a superior chip on the yeah. outboard side and just send that send it there and have that doing it. But they'd have to write software for it, but it yeah. may be that iOS running inside the A13 mm -hmm. in this monitor, because it does run a version of iOS, is, uh, is doing it because they didn't have to write extra software for the Mac to do it then. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But because maybe the A13 is not 
powerful enough, or it's just not as powerful as the other I mean, processors that are running center stage. I don't know. I, I I think if you compare it to center stage on the iPad, my opinion is that it's no different than center okay. stage on the iPad. Okay. I don't think it, I don't think that's it. I don't think it's like the M1 versus the A13, and it's okay. inferior. Maybe in certain circumstances. The problem is maybe in certain circumstances it is, and I can't duplicate all the circumstances. Sure. Um, the, the short version is: Is there an issue with the webcams? Like I don't know. Depends on your context. Depends on what you're expecting by it. Apple says that they're going to make software changes to it. I wouldn't count on that. Um, if you want to hold off and see what happens, by all means, do so. Um, in my circumstance, it's not been an issue, and I I am not. I mean, like if I want a really good webcam, I will use a really good webcam and i i think at the root of the complaints about it that some reviewers have had is they what they want is a 4k static no panning and zooming center stage uh, webcam like they consider the state of the art on other of, of of webcams today instead of what apple did and i think i don't think i agree because i really like center stage and i think that it is appropriate for a product like this because you are moving around i mean some people aren't some people are. I, I am moving around enough that I really like the idea that that this thing that's sitting on my desk can track me as I'm talking to somebody. I think that's great. Other people would say, well, no, Apple has gotten too high on its center stage product. And even though it doesn't look as good, it's got this zooming feature that I don't care about. And what I really want is a still really nice 4K webcam. I yeah. think that's a legitimate argument to make, even though I'm not sure I agree with it. Um, so... Yeah, and we'll see. There are bugs. There are lots of bugs. They're whitelisting um, video conferencing apps. It's very clear that they put something in macOS that basically says if it's these apps, turn it on, um, oh. which they sort of did an iPad too, right? Because oh. the developers didn't know about this. Um, I'm sure there will be an API at some point. Um, you can con- control it with center stage and turn it on and off, but there's very weird behavior there too. I opened Photo Booth. An app that has not been touched by an Apple engineer in who knows how long. And it gave me this ridiculous, grainy, super close cropped, too way too high, like top of my head and the wall behind me shot. That is not the shot you get when you go to um, to control center and turn off center stage in Zoom. Uh-huh. That said, when you do go to control center and turn off center stage in something like Zoom, you do get a weirdly framed shot that is way too high up and is clearly not what you actually would get because it's actually cutting off stuff that was visible in the center stage version that's a little lower down. Um, and and I don't know why they do it that way. And it's really dumb. And you can't you can't set it. So when you turn center stage off, you have to like tilt your monitor down because it's too high. <laughs> which I don't I don't I don't get that. So I think that there are lots of issues with the with the camera but not the ones that they that the other people are complaining about. Speaking about hi, how would you get on with the stand on this monitor if it was yours? I mean, I have an adjustable desk so I can survive. I would change the height of everything else, uh, you know, change the height of my um my keyboard tray and change the height of my desk and I would get it to work. Um I don't think I think that a lot of people would find that it's too low. Um, I, again, the places where I'm out of line with a lot of other, the rev- other reviewers, like this is an example where I know why Apple did it. And I appreciate that the adjustable version is probably a very well-engineered piece of kit. That said, you should not have to pay. I, I would say you should not have to pay extra 
for good ergonomics, that a good display should be adjustable Mm -hmm. and that you certainly shouldn't have to pay $400 for it to be adjustable. Mm -hmm. I think it's ridiculous. So, boo. I'll let you know just how ridiculous it is uh, soon when mine. Yeah, I just I don't in. like I when the iMac came out the M1 iMac. I yeah. asked Apple why is this not adjustable, and they said blah blah blah. We did well, they, ergonomic. It was on the show, right? They told us that we they oh, they, they tested yeah. it out. Well, we did ergonomics, found, and this yeah. is what our experts said was the right height. And I'm like, I don't know. Everybody I know puts these things on books. I or have mine stands. on a stand. I have a stand for my iMac that I'm, that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, I just, I believe as a matter of principle that ergonomics is not a $400 upsell. I think, I think you should make an ergonomic display. I think that it should, the ergonomics should be figured into it. I do too. And, and if you, if you do need to do it as an upsell, you should not make it a, as ludicrous a price as that upsell is four hundred dollars yeah for a thing to let let it be a couple inches higher like come come on here's the the problem that 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 this is like apple kind of designing itself into a corner like i think they refuse to make a design like other companies because the other companies they make things that aren't as attractive yeah only the best they want the they want a perfect Mm -hmm. beautiful well-engineered uh lifting display mount they Mm -hmm. do and that's what they made and it required them to charge four hundred dollars for it and i get it but uh, it's very frustrating to me yeah so you could also get the vase mount version which doesn't cost any extra and then put it on a stand or arm of your choice at the height that you want and it's adjustable so that's the other way to go and i'm pleased that they offer that though too right because it's like well then you can get it much cheaper um, as as an option, and or you may already have the thing like you do, right? And like I have a I have Vesa arms that I was using before. I have a Vesa arm I'm using with the Dell monitor that I'm using. If I wanted to, I could have gone with the Vesa uh, mount for the uh, studio display. But I was happy to pay the extra because I wanted that. I wanted Apple's adjustable one because I think it looks nice, um, and I want to have a little bit of a better experience, a more free experience than the. Uh, than my face or arms allow for me. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Is there enough I.O. on this on this on the studio display, do you think? I mean it's a display and not an iMac. Yeah. I I will admit that I had those thoughts, which is, you know, it's got four ports on the back, but there's just the upstream Thunderbolt and then it's three USB C. I do wish they were and- Thunderbolt, not USB C. Yeah, and I get that I get why they maybe can't be right now. Um but it it, it I'm okay with it. Clearly, this is a a, a room for improvement. Yeah. Um, like I said, I feel like most of the stuff you're going to attach to your computer is going to be attached to your computer. But if you're using this with a laptop, you're going to want to hang I.O. off the back. And this precludes you hanging Thunderbolt off the back, right? Mm-hmm. It only is going to be USB-C off of the back of this thing. So if you have a situation where you want to have a one cable attach from a MacBook Pro to this display, I and you've got a Thunderbolt dock or a Thunderbolt hard drive or whatever, I don't think you can. Like I correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think that 
Well, maybe you you would go through the Thunderbolt dock, and then if it's got Thunderbolt out, you would put that to the monitor. Maybe that would yeah. work. But like, it's complicated, is what I'm saying. And I wish that it was less complicated, but I also kind of get it that um, in Mac Studio terms, it's easy because the Mac Studio has all the plugs, and yep. you don't worry about it. But if you've got a MacBook Pro, and I'm a big fan of this, like the whole idea here is it charges your MacBook Pro or your MacBook Air. Like uh-huh. it doesn't matter. It'll charge your laptop and provide I/O and provide the display. So you really do want to live the one cable lifestyle, and um, that's going to lead to hubs and docks and things yeah. probably because it's only got those three USB ports there. I have a CalDigit Thunderbolt dock that I use right now, and I am intrigued to find out what happens when I plug that into my display. My hope will be that it will just function as USB-C because I only have – I don't have anything – incredibly powerful and i have a bunch of like usba things and ethernet cable that kind of stuff my hope is it will work but i will have to find out i don't know and that yeah i i feel like like you like the mysteries of thunderbolt <laughs> and that's why that's what i'm saying that's why i want it to be thunderbolt in that display so i don't have to have this thought of like right, am right. i going to have to get a new dock if i do what do i even get because all docks seem to be thunderbolt now and not USB-C. Like i don't know what's going to happen when I plug that thing in. Well, like, and it will accept USB-C as an input because you can attach a Mac or an iPad Air to it and yep. it will it will use it. So it's possible that even if you sent USB-C out from a dock to the display, it would work. But I do, again, I don't know. And it probably it. varies. No and then it's I don't just, really know what I'm going to do because yeah. I have a bunch of USB-A things that I guess I'll just have to get a USB-C to USB-A like port thing adapter Dongle thing we'll find out town. back to dongle town but now monitor related uh yes. last thing i wanted to ask you about uh the speakers i am gonna say about the speakers and the microphones exactly what i've said about them in the macbook pro which is i think apple is justifiably pl- proud of what they've done to put pretty good quality speakers and microphones in a very small space in this yep. case in a display but also they've done this it's the same kind of engineering that they've done for the macbook pro they are justifi- justifiably proud of that. The microphones are okay. They sound pretty good, although a little echoey. Uh, but you're remember, the microphones are far away because you're sitting at a display. You're not right up against... Like, I'm right up against my microphone here. I'm touching it with my nose right now, right? Like, it's right here. Display is far away. So even a good microphone at that distance, it's going to be a challenge. They got the three microphones. They got the beam forming. They're, they're trying to make it sound okay. And you know what? For a video conference or something, it does sound okay. It sounds pretty good. Not podcast level good. Although if you wanted to make it podcast level good, what you'd do is you'd go all the way up to it and be like, hello, I'm very close to the." And then it would probably sound great, uh-huh. but be really awkward because you'd be like putting your face against your monitor and nobody wants to do that the speakers similarly are they good for monitors that fit in a slim speaker yes they are they sound they sound nice there's some stereo imaging going on there they talk about it being spatial audio i don't believe that really it's just a fancy word for calculating the stereo images on the fly it's it it, it's it's fine my problem is that Apple then talks about everything as being studio quality and amazing. And like, I think it is amazing engineering for what it is. But uh, that said, like, it is not a replacement for better speakers or headphones. Um, I use my, since I got rid of the um, iPod hi fi as my external speakers, 
<laughs> I've been using the iMac Pro internal speakers to edit podcasts. And so I edited a podcast using the studio display internal speakers instead. I don't think they're as good. Honestly, I don't think they're as good as the iMac Pro speakers. And the iMac Pro speakers were pretty good because they had space in the case. <laughs> um, but even if they're as good, like, I don't know. They are what they are. Don't, I think Apple get lets um, the hype run away from them a little bit. And they translate amazing for where they are, amazing for the small space they're inside, to just generally amazing. And they're not just generally amazing. They're utilitarian. I, I, if, you, if you listen to music on your computer's, computer's built-in sound now, you can do that on this and it'll be fine. But if you're led to believe by Apple's marketing that, oh, throw away your microphones, throw away your external speakers, all you'll ever need is the stuff that's in the cinema or the studio display. Nah, no, that's not, that's not what it is. That's it. So it's fine. It did not blow me away, uh-huh. but it's, it's good for what it is. And in such a small space, it is impressive. That's it. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Memberful. The easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web so you can generate sustainable, recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Maybe your business's financial situation has changed over the last couple of years and you were looking for a proven solution that is quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and help it grow. Memberful handles all the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly and easily, whilst also leaving you with the full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. This part was really important to us when we were setting up the Relay FM membership program. We use Memberful for this. There's the ability that they let us make it look like it was ours. We could use our branding or custom branding, and we could plug it in with the systems that we already have in place. Memberful have a great API, which we could use, and also they have great integration as well like with their discord integration so they we can manage all of that through memberful but i like that it's this two-way street with them you know like we're able to use their tools really great and we're also able to plug our tools into it so it just feels like a more cohesive experience memberful has everything that you need to run a membership program of your own including an optimized checkout apple pay easy member management dashboard analytics which are awesome free trials gift subscriptions and more and memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools that you're already using including lots of fully managed integrations with popular services like discord as i mentioned but also wordpress mailchimp and many more you can also send paid email newsletters directly through memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider you can publish your paid newsletter content to a memberful hosted members only website so people can go and read past issues and if you're on memberful's pro or premium plan there is no additional fee for this so it will save you money compared to other hosted newsletter platforms get started for free today at memberful.com upgrade you can sign up with no credit card required that is memberful.com upgrade go there right now check it out and see what it can do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish up today with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. First one today comes from Cheese, mm, who tasty. asks, can external speakers be attached to an Apple Studio display via the USB-C connection in order to oh. maintain a single cable connection to my M1 Pro MacBook Pro? Is this possible? Oh, new audio device detected. Okay, so you're trying it right now. Yeah. Um, and if I go to system preferences sound, mm-hmm. I now have 
studio display speakers as an output and USB-C to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack adapter as an output. Wow. So, so yes is the answer. Wow. Yes. Okay. It, you plug a USB-C audio adapter and it just shows up as a USB-C audio adapter and you can choose it as an output. Great. That's so, it. I guess I don't know if USB-C powered speakers exist, but I guess if they do, it will work. But the idea being that, it, yes, it's possible. You can plug USB-C something to something. Yeah, you just use this. I mean, I'm using the little, the one I use for my iPad Pro. Yeah, The little Apple mm-hmm. USB-C to, to headphone jack adapter. And then at that point, you take powered speakers and a headphone jack, uh, you know, uh, one of those cables and run yeah. it and and it'll do that. So yes, you should be able to lead the... Uh, the one chord lifestyle for yeah. your speakers too. But re- remember, there's only three back there. So <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, that works. So that was fun. And uh, I, I've been meaning to check that out. So now we know. Morky would like to know, did either of you play instruments and did one of you compose and play the theme song for Upgrade? So this is Morky from Morky and Mind, I think. <laughs> I just knew you were going to do it. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> this is a different person. Mork and Morky are different? Yes, I think so. We have someone who writes in under the name Mork. Yes, this and is I not do- them? I don't think this is the same person because this person's okay. Morky. Is this Morky Mork and the Funky Bunch? Yes, that's it. You nailed it. That's who it is? Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, what was the question? <laughs> do either of you play instruments? One. Uh-huh. Did one of you compose and play the theme song? Two. All right, take, take the second one first. Theme song of Upgrade is composed and played uh, entirely by Christopher Breen. Chris, it's a Breen theme. Like it's a Breen theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to chrisbreen.com, and he's got, I think he even has them all for download there, so you can you can do that. Chris if works at Apple now. you pretend to be Upgrade, you can do Sure, that. I guess. Um, Chris works at Apple now, so he can't write about tech anymore, but he still composes theme songs from time to time, and he composed the Upgrade theme before, actually when he was at Macworld still, so before he was behind the, the the rainbow curtain he was he was able to do that for for me and a bunch of my other the incomparable theme is a breen theme there are a bunch mm-hmm. of breen themes out there um but uh yeah that that's that do either of us play instruments i took piano lessons in school and um and uh or when i was in school and i can very poorly play the piano um that didn't stop me from. There are a bunch of robot or not theme songs, not the main one, but there are there are like three alternate robot or not theme songs that come up every now and then that mm-hmm. were performed by me. But that's a lot of. I've got a USB piano keyboard, and uh, there's also a lot of logic loops involved in those. Um, but that's my so that's my story. But but I wouldn't say I play any instrument competently. I play no instruments. I only included this question because I wanted to point out that. Many upgrades noticed the theme song difference. Yes. For last episode, because Jason, for some reason, decides that every time he edits the show, he plays the alternate version of the Not every theme. time. Most just sometimes. Time. Most of the time, I think, when you edit. You, you use the alternate It's an version. Easter egg. It's a now, little Easter egg. There's remind a, and the me, irony is is that I asked Chris to change it yes, from the synth to the guitar. This is how I remember it, because this is what annoys me about this every time. It's people like, yay, Jason's music. It's like, no, this was... I liked this one, and Jason changed it initially. I think episode one may have used this theme. 
Maybe. And then it was changed. Or there was like there was the synth version, and then Jason wanted the more guitar focused version, which became yeah. the upgrade theme. And yeah. then everyone's like, "Oh, down with Mike! He plays the bad song. <laughs> Jason plays good songs." Like Mike yeah. wanted this one. But but it's the it's the fact that it's rare and a, an Easter egg that That's makes true. it more special. If it was the other way around, everyone would be like, "Hell yeah, rocking well, out with Jason!" You know. Every well, time. Mike, I'm just going to say this. Next episode is episode 400. You know, we could just decide to use the synth version for oh, 100 man. episodes or something if you oh, wanted man. to. Just switch. Do you know what? Now, though, I, I don't think minds. I could. I think it, uh-huh. so many episodes, it would be weird for me now. Like, it's it just, like, be. ingrained See, in my head. You know? We'll keep it. It's it's a special, just like we have the Upgrade Draft theme and the Holiday, the holiday theme. Music and with the Summer of Fun song. Summer of Fun. I right? just wanted it's, to it's, get it on record. alternate. Okay, yes. it, this isn't like Jason saving us. He's finally using the synth version, which is what some Upgradians treat it as, you know? They, like, look forward to when I'm away so they get the good music. But yeah. I just want to make it none. Like, Mike isn't keeping that good music. Well, he is now because Jason just... Now I'm keeping it from you. Yeah. From now. Previously, down no, I Mike wasn't. Down with Mike again. <laughs> now you can say down with Mike because Mike has made the decision that the old theme stays. But I just want to tell the, the truth from the right. past, you know? I, people just like that it's it's different. Although I did appreciate um, listener Brian on uh, Twitter saying, um, Ooh, it's the good it's the good intro or something like that. And I was like, mm, Honestly, mm, it was it was mm. Brian's tweet that set off this rage. In me. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's just, just different. It's a little Easter egg. It's fun. Mm-hmm. That's all. I thought about not doing it, in fact, la- last time, but I then I did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a like lot. a smoke signal, you know? It's like an if you know, you know kind of it's thing. It's special. Uh-huh. Yeah. JJ Aparo asks, would you pay extra for a colorful MacBook? So if Apple made you pay more for colors, the colors that we desperately want, would you pay it? Similarly, oh. how you used to have to pay extra if you wanted a black MacBook. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about like how car makers will say, we'll give you a boring color, but you can pay $1,000 more and get an uh-huh. interesting color, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't pay 1000 <laughs> I don't want to do that. But... For a more interesting car? For no. a more interesting color on a MacBook. <laughs> no, that I wouldn't. That, that I wouldn't. MacBook Air, nine ninety nine in blue, nineteen ninety nine. Wow, <laughs> Apple are geniuses. How did they come up with that one? Would I pay extra? I well, I'll say I had a black MacBook. There you go. Although my business bought it for me, but uh, I wanted it. And I, I liked got it. the white one. I had the white one. I mm, like the white I loved, one. I love the black MacBook. That was great. Uh, would I pay extra? Yeah, I probably. Would I would. Too. It would. Just about what though? Like, would I pay fifty dollars more or a hundred dollars more? Maybe depends. It would have to be good. It would have to not be like a very vaguely colorful. It would need to be mm-hmm. really colorful. That said, I don't think that they will make people pay extra. I think like no, the I iMac, don't. Don't. the MacBook Air is going to come out in colors, and you just pick. I think JJ Aparo just wanted to be like, will we put our money where our mouths yeah. are. Kind Riddle of me this. Now. Riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris wants to know. Do you think in an Apple lab somewhere there is an iPad Pro that runs macOS Monterey? I mean, it's got to be, right? I mean, maybe. I, I I'll tell you this. I am. I I know, in fact, that when in the run up to Apple Silicon, there were iPads running macOS because okay. they were te- they were test systems f- before they did the DTK. And like you got an iPad with a an A12x, you can run macOS on it. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I don't know if it means anything. 
but I mean, probably, or, or truthfully, there's probably like something that's kind of like an iPad that's got a Mac OS version attached to it somewhere. It may not be Monterey. It may not be current. Who knows? But like, um, clearly like, they can, and I'm I sure inside Apple they do. There was probably some MacBook Airs running iOS when they were building the Magic Keyboard, right? Could be. You know, like yeah, that's just, a great example. Like, why don't we why don't we load this on a Mac that's already got the keyboard and trackpad attached, yeah. so that we can uh, just test the yeah, software maybe. Or it. Like, maybe, or although maybe they just use the Bluetooth. But who knows? Yeah, yeah I but I think I I'm sure historically that has happened. Mm-hmm. I, I I know it for a fact that that happened. But is it? happening now i mean who can say it it certainly could be it would depend on what the project was and what they were why they were doing it that way but um i don't think it says anything about whether they're gonna make ipads run mac os or anything and finally today steve wants to know does the white led on the front of the mac studio have the pulsing sleep effect does it do anything no okay it doesn't it's quite disappointing it just Mm -hmm. is there and is on um, if you if you have problems in booting, there was a YouTube video I watched today where it actually will blink out SOS if it has a problem, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And and if you and in certain circumstances it will blink out SOS with an amber color instead oh, of the white, wow. which is also pretty funny. Um, so there's probably really all sorts of other saving. wild things that it can do. But um, but I I put this to sleep anyway, and it didn't do anything except keep the light on. So. I Sorry. keep the light on for you. That's what it says. It would be nice if it did that. I love that pulsating uh, little sleep breathing thing. Yeah. But... Yeah. I think it was disturbing. I honestly though, like in a dark room, it was disturbing because you you'd be laying there in the dark and everything is there's like this pulsating light on the wall. I Here's didn't the like thing. that. Here's the thing. I have the nostalgia for this. Ultimately, I don't like my computer anthropomorphizing itself. Yeah, also drawing attention to itself when it's in a mode where it doesn't want your attention is yeah. But dumb. just in general, I don't need to ever think that my computer is breathing. Like, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm good, you know? Hello, like, Mike. <laughs> Help me! Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Help! <laughs> Poor Mac Studio, yeah. blinking out the amber. I'm going to be giggling <laughs> to myself about that all day now. There's just something very funny about that. I guess the idea being that because it has no screen, right, that it needs right. to be able to communicate some error messages. Exactly. But they should so it doesn't buy a Morse code, apparently. But I love that it has two different types of Morse code that it can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's the the where it's where it's confused and then where it's actively angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord that you get access to. If you sign up for Upgrade Plus, go to getupgradeplus.com and you will get yourself a special feed. In that feed, you will get longer, ad-free versions of every single episode of Upgrade. What an incredible thing. And I'll just say, you get the back catalog of those too, going all the way back to when we started this, like, two years ago nearly now so you can yeah. go back and listen to a ton of great stuff like there's lots of very fun content in there so it's available to you and you also get to support the show as well i mean it's a win-win-win that's what we call it around here uh but thank you also to our sponsors of this week's episode memberful doordash and squarespace uh if you would like to find jason online you go to sixcolors.com. i recommend that people check out the video that jason did with dan moran kind of uh doing some uh hands-on 
Uh, it was a great little live stream of a bunch of listener participation. It was yeah. really fun. So you can find it was your idea there. for us to do the post-embargo drop video, and I, I think it worked great. I think it was a lot of fun. And we yeah, went for 90 minutes, which is it. way longer than I thought. But, yeah, it's like a podcast. With, That's uh, like a full-on podcast, that thing. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I would actually like to mention something new that I'm doing. Um, if you are a Formula One fan, I now have I can't be- I genuinely cannot believe I Mike Hurley hosts a sports podcast now, but I do. I know, right? Uh, it's called The Backmarkers, and I'm hosting it with Austin Evans because me and Austin have been working on a show called The Test Drives for the last couple of years. It's focused on tech, but ultimately, uh, we just want to talk about Formula One. So now we do. And something that we're doing differently with this is there is a video version of the show. We stream live as soon as we can after each Formula One race has finished. And we do video. There is an audio version at Relay FM, but we also have a YouTube channel, and we're putting the video up there. Uh, and it also is going to stay there afterwards, so you can consume it however you would choose, video and audio. And I'm enjoying a new challenge, like a, the idea of making a video podcast and how to make that make that good whilst also making the audio podcast good. It's like an interesting tightrope to walk, which I'm enjoying. So maybe learning some new skills after being uh, in this game for so long. So if you are a Formula One fan, new or old, check it out. We are building this show primarily for new fans. Me and Austin are new fans, and we're making a a Formula One podcast for new fans. Part of this was because the shows I was listening to, there was just too much built-in knowledge with the hosts, and it was hard for me to follow some of the stuff. And so, you know, people that have been watching it for decades, like, they have a lot of inbuilt knowledge that I didn't. Um, So... That, and get ready for Saturday morning, Friday night baseball, my new podcast in which I talk <laughs> about the Apple TV broadcast from the night before of Friday night baseball, not existing ever. You know, for a big sports fan, I don't do a sports podcast and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of things I don't and will never do uh podcast about, but this one felt just right. Like, we uh, we yeah. were talking about it's it great. more and more on the test drivers, so it was kind of like let's just actually make the thing that we really want to make, which is this show. So we're doing it now, and we're only we're doing it every time there's a race. If there's no race, there's no show. So it's it's, it's a kind of an interesting format for me. So yeah, I'm, fun. I'm looking forward to it. So you can go check it out. Uh, it's uh, you, the YouTube channel. Go to backmarkers.live and you'll find it, and then you'll find backmarkers on the Real so- FM website, and I'll put links to those in the show notes. Before we say goodbye, can I ask you a couple mm. questions about Formula One? Yeah. F1. Um, I assume that it begins by a ceremonial like rolling of a tire or something down the road, right? I mean, sort of like how baseball yeah. rolls the baseballs out from center yep, field. They let all the wheels out and then the teams have to catch them. And then depending on who catches right. the best wheels, they have got the best chance of winning. That's how it goes. Okay. That's, that's good. And then my, ne- funny, really. my next question is I assume the way it works is that they're driving around a city looking for the F. And there's only one. There's only one F. And when they get yeah. it, it's like the snitch. When they get it, then they can return to base. It's the immediate win. There is a finish line, but if you're able to catch the F, you win. Okay. Yeah. Good. This sounds great. I'll check it you're out. You're going to love it. Like, this is your sport, Jason. You know? It's got all of your favorite. Got to find that F. Someone's going to find it. There's only one. One F. There's only one F, and then you find it, you are F1. And then the actually win the entire season. You don't just win the, a race. Wow. The, the season can end after two weeks if someone finds the F. That's right. That's those. That's part of the official rules. Mm-hmm. Because there's no F. <laughs> no Fs in it. All Miller 1 until they find the <laughs> F, and then... Uh, so if you yeah. want to find out the actual real rules, uh, which are obviously what we just talked about, you can go and check out the backmarkers. Uh, and if you are, if you have a passing interest in Formula One, maybe you haven't tried it yet, 
Uh, watch Drive to Survive, the Netflix documentary. That's what turned me into form- a big Formula One fan like many others. So it's a great onboarding. And then the back markers will be there for you when you're ready for it. Uh, if you want to find the show notes for this week, you can find them in your podcast app of choice or at relay.fm uh, slash upgrade slash 399. We're at 400 next week, which means we are going to be reviewing our predictions from 100 episodes ago. So that's going to be a fun, uh, a fun time for everyone. Uh, and you want to find Jason in the meantime he's at Jasonel I am at iMike I am Y-K-E and we'll be back next time until then say goodbye Jason Snell goodbye Mike Hurley